Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. mission was to set the tone about the Father's heart. A lot of people don't understand that God has a directive and an intention to bring us back to him. People think that sometimes uh, there are people that are what they would consider far from God. They think that somehow God is mad at them and uh, if they don't get themselves together He's going to shoot a lightning bolt out of his finger and zap us into getting ourselves corrected. And that's not the picture of Scripture. The picture of Scripture is a loving father who is stern. He is a loving God, but he is a gracious God, but he's also a very real sovereign God. But we often see it from a different light. And I think what Christ was doing in the New Testament was he was showing us the love of the Father in a very different way. How many would agree with that? Because people look at the Old Testament God and the New Testament God, and they think that that's two different gods. It's not. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we're at different places in the New Testament than we were in the Old. Okay, and for those, those of you that have multiple children, you realize that you can't parent them all the same. If you are an amateur at this, you realize uh, in your mind you think you, you're going you're gonna to parent all your kids exactly the same and they're going to respond the same. You're highly ignorant. <laughs> because that is not the case. They are different people with different habits and different responses and you have to handle it differently. And, in, and that's the most simplest way I can look at the Old versus the New Testament, that we are different people, different children at different times. And so that doesn't mean at all that God loved us more in the New Testament than he loved us in the Old. Different people, different times, different spaces. See, after all, you can't talk about the kingdom of God and not talk about the heart of the Father. Because the kingdom of God is responsive to the heart of the Father. It actually comes from it. Almost every parable Jesus spoke about, he spoke about as an invitation to see the heart of the Father. If you look at Luke 15, there are three things he talked about. Right? He talked about the lost coin, the lost treasure, and then the lost son. Things that are lost, he's trying to show how God loves us so much that he wants to draw us to himself. But we often see God so differently. God continues to tell us, come back to the heart. When you come back to the table, see my heart so that you could respond accordingly. If we come back to the table and we think God is angry at us, we're going to respond to his response in an angry way. And that doesn't make sense. When God is being gracious to us, we respond in anger or mistrust. Because that's what happens. 
When you don't trust the world, you turn around and you hear about faith or religion and you're like, well, I'm going to wait till I can trust you. I'm going to wait till I can trust you because I've been hurt so many times. But Luke 15 brings a picture, and I know some of you, you've grown up in the faith, and maybe some of you have been in the faith a long time, and you've heard this passage many times, but I want to kind of come at a different angle here this morning. Can I do that? As I bring this message entitled, Back to His Heart, Back to His Heart. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 15 in your Bibles. Go ahead and turn there to Luke chapter 15, whether it's on your phone or on a physical Bible uh, that has pages. Remember that? Remember Bibles that have pages? Remember those? Amazing, amazing things happen. Especially when you open this up and you realize that there's something that God has for you specifically, that he doesn't just have it for other people. Because we can often get into this lie idea that God has something for everybody but you. Because you've messed up so many times or you've done something's wrong or you haven't been to church in a while. You haven't read your Bible in a while. And somehow God is angry at you so he won't speak to you. He's like a 15-year-old girl in school that is just mean. That God is just like turning his back like, you know what, I'm not talking to you right now. Like that's not God. Can I tell you that? Can you just t- take a big deep breath today and realize that God is not that? He's not a teenage kid going through all kinds of chemical imbalances in their body. Hello? He's not spastic in some sort of idea. He's very deliberate. And he loves you with an everlasting love today. And I invite you to come back to his heart as you come back to the table. So as we look at Luke 15, beginning of verse 20, I invite you to turn there when the sun was a long way off. You see this? There has to be an attention given to the fact that the father was looking a long way off. Because when the son was a long way off, the father saw him and his heart pounding. He ran out and he embraced him and he kissed him and he started his speech. Are you ready? Look at verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. This is what happened. But while he was still away off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father... I have sinned against heaven and against you. Did you notice that he didn't say, I made a mistake? I blew it. No, no, no. He said specifically, I've sinned against you, and here's where I am. There has to be a genuine repentance when you go before the Father and say, I've messed up. Now, my emphasis is not going to be on the prodigal son, as they call him, My emphasis is going to be split, but there's going to be a couple things I want to kind of bring to the surface. And maybe you've seen it, maybe you have not. I invite you to come along with me. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. As if in some way we were worthy before. But because he hadn't rebelled, in his mind he was still worthy. The rebellion brought him into unworthiness, which is not true. None of us are worthy of the Father. But he's introducing the human element that we feel that somehow I was once upon a time worthy, but now I'm not. Are you seeing what I'm saying right now? 
And so he's introducing this idea that most of us would kind of understand. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but the father said to his servants. Notice, he didn't even address the kid yet. The kid says, I'm not worthy. And then the father addresses the servants right away. Why? Because he already had a plan to love this child back. Let's welcome him back. And so what did he do? He said, I'm no longer worthy of your son. Then the father said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet and the fatted calf and kill it. Now, I'm not going to go into what all those mean because there is, uh, uh, there is an understanding of what each of those means, the robe, the ring, and the food, all that. But I'm not going into that. Let's continue on. Let's have a feast. And he wanted to celebrate him for this, is, this son of mine was dead. And now he's alive. You notice it? Now, isn't that a little drastic if you think about it? He didn't say he was lost and now he's found. Did you catch that? Jesus was telling this parable because he was trying to tell a deeper problem. Jesus was telling this parable because it's not about good or bad. It's about life and death. It's not about lost and found. It's about life and death. When you are far from the Father, look at me. Everyone look at me. You are far from life. You are far from the truth that is found only in him. So he wasn't trying to tell a story about a kid that said, okay, I blew it. I'm coming back home. That's not the story. The story was this kid was dead. He's dead to me. He's dead to everything. Why? Because he chose a life of death. He chose the money over his father. He chose the, the, the things of this world over the things of the household. He didn't say, my son was lost and now he's found. He said he was dead and now he's alive again. He's telling a deeper issue that's deep inside the heart. You do realize this is a parable, right? So he's not just telling, hey, listen, did you hear this word, the word on the street was about this guy who had a son? He's not telling a true story about something that happened. He's trying to tell a deeper meaning. And the deeper meaning is that there are people that are lost, but they're not just lost, they're dead. They've walked away and they're dead. Not because God wants them dead, but because they chose death over life. So... Let me ask you this question. As he talked about, uh, as he talked about that, he said he is dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. So he kind of introduced both of those. Let me be clear. He did address both of those. But it's interesting how he started with death and alive. Right? And then he says, so they began to celebrate. Now, is this story really, really about the rebel son? Well, it is a fragment of that story is about the son because there are three characters in this story, aren't they? There's the rebel son that decided to do what he wanted to do. Then there's the loving father who stood back and allowed the son to make some mistakes he needed to make and waited for him to return. The third character we see in the story was the son that was a rebel but didn't do anything about it. It doesn't make him less of a rebel. And I'll explain that in just a moment. What if Jesus was sharing the story to somehow spotlight 
that you can run as far as you want to run, but if you need to come back, you can come back. What if Jesus was telling the story that just because you're in the house of God doesn't mean you're saved and you got everything together? What if Jesus was telling the story because there are two types of Christians in this world, ones that call themselves Christians and ones that actually live it? What if, for a moment, the Father's extravagant, lavish, and redeeming love is ready to heal our greatest ache? And I tell you this because the feeling of not having purpose can feel like you've died. The feeling of not having purpose could make you feel like you are experiencing death yourself. And so the father's reaction was so over the top that the older son, who'd never gone astray, is like, really, dad? You're going to go do all of that after he'd done all of this? It's dishonoring. It's dishonoring to me and all those that hung behind. Simply put, the father said, yes, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Because he was dead, now he's alive. See, the extravagant grace of God is always, on, is always being showcased through, through Jesus' parables, through, through his actions, when he loved people, when everybody else was casting them off to the side. Remember when the, when the kids wanted to come to Jesus? And the, the disciples now, the disciples did this. They were like, no, back up, back up, back up, back up. Give him some space. You know, he is holy and stuff, so back up. And he's like, no, let him come to me. Again, Jesus revealing the heart of the Father. Let them come. This is what they're looking for. This is what they're starving for. Do you know there's a world out there starving for what you have? Starving for what you know? And we're often so challenged and somehow we're thinking that the world doesn't want to hear us. But I tell you this, if you can get past the shell of it, you can realize they do want to hear it. But they also want to know if you're authentic. They'll call you out. And if you give in right away, be like, well, then forget you then. Jesus loves you. No, he doesn't. Well, then fine. I don't love you either. Like, that's not going to win somebody. Isn't that right, Debbie? That's not, that's not a Sunday school idea we should probably follow. That's not a model we should go with. Like, Jesus loves No, he doesn't. You're right. Not you, kid. Everybody else. Like, that's not what Jesus was about. And so... We often think as the father doesn't stop with just his sons and daughters, he tells us this, that all creation gets the deal that he takes care of them, right? We look at Matthew 6, 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, but the heavenly father takes care of them. How much more so will he take care of you? Aren't you worth more than them? And all the naturalists were like, I don't know, birds are pretty important. But... Can I tell you something? He put, he, he put his image in you, not in the animals. He poured his image in you. I love animals. I have my own. He's a small bear. I love him. <laughs> but God didn't put his image in that dog. He put it in me. He put it in you. He put it in humans. And we are called to be his. But 
even those little tiny animals that we love. He loves them too and he takes care of them. The ones you don't see, the ones that feed themselves, God takes care of them. How much more does he want to take care of you? So let me ask this. What kind of gifts from the Father are you getting that you're not activating because you think that maybe, just maybe, you don't understand the heart of the Father? We look at Luke chapter 11 and it says, if your little boy asks for serving a fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? I love this. This is a message translation, by the way, so it's a little different. If your little girl asks for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? That would be pretty amazing. That would definitely be a viral video. As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing you're at least decent to your own children. And don't you have the Father who conceived you in love will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask of him? Did you know that God will give you the desires of your heart if the desires of your heart line up with what he wants for you? Every time. That's his promise, not mine. So... Now that we understand that in the New Testament, what, what the, one of the biggest differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament is in the Old Testament, we look at how God put uh, his spirit fell upon people. And in the New Testament, the, his, the, his Holy Spirit fell and went into people. So on you, in you. Old Testament, New Testament. And so as that Holy Spirit has now resided in you, there are people that actually write off the Holy Spirit. And did you know that when you write off a person, you write off everything that comes with that person? If you write off the person, you write off the power that they have in your life. This can happen good and bad. Did you know that? If you write off a person that's negative in your life, and you know what? I don't want that in my life. You write off their influence in your life. But did you know that that works in reverse? That if there's a powerful thing that God wants to do in your life, if there's a powerful thing that God wants to do in you, that if you ignore the power of the Holy Spirit, you write off the person of the Holy Spirit, you write off the power that comes with him too. So what am I saying? I'm talking about that there's a power to overcome the lies of this world. And part of that is when you come to the heart of the Father and you realize, God, I want everything you want from me. How many want everything that God has for you, right? Most of us would agree with that. And so um, let me go into this because the true emphasis is not on the sons, but the true emphasis of this passage is on the heart of the father here. And the story has two sons, as I mentioned that. And let me kind of break this down for you. The youngest son exploded in rebellion one day, just asking for all his inheritance, and he knew what he wanted. His desires led him to gamble and go out and getting everything that his heart desired. He loved sin. He promised satis that he, the, the sin that promised satisfaction, the sin that promised to fill his, his ambitions and all his appetites, they left him void. A lot of people think that the things of this world will fill the void. Instead, it creates it. Are you hearing me? That the sin of this world, the things of this world, we often think will fill the void is actually the things that create the void. And so sin lured him with promises it could never keep. 
and he rebels against the father and he and he goes about his own business that's the younger son the oldest son did something a little different he went about it a different way it was different with him he was he liked being home he liked serving and he did that and whether he felt like going out or not there's a possibility that something leads to this here but he stayed home and he and he and he loved the father and he did what he was supposed to do He was smart enough to manage his father and his situations there. He loved himself so much that that pride could have been setting in because when the son returned, instead of saying, my brother is back, he was dead and now he's alive. You know what he said? How dare you love him that way? Something was wrong in this older brother. Something was terribly wrong. And you know one thing that my wife, uh, my wife and I, we uh, do our devotions with the kids. And, and sometimes it's her teaching, sometimes it's me. And she does most of it. But one day she, she did a devotion with the kids. And I think she even shared it here one time. Uh, it was a thought that really just blew my mind was that the Lord, the father in this story, took attention with the younger one when he came home. But he also took time with the older one. And he went to the older one and he went out to meet him. And, and I want to tell you something that he was trying to address that pride that was in him. Right? That pride that was within him that said, you know what? You did all this for him and, and he ran out and he took all the inheritance. And when you, you asked for your father's inheritance, what you were doing was in essence wishing that he would die. You know that, Right? If you ask for your father's inheritance, you were basically saying, I wish you were dead, but you're not. So poor me, but didn't you give me my stuff now? Can you imagine how heartbreaking that must be for the father? That's what the story was telling us. But that's not how the father responded when he brought him home. When he came home, the father threw a party and said, man, you lost your way, but more importantly, you're back. You're back. So... I want to share a few thoughts that I think matter to all of us. If you're taking notes, write this down. This first one is a doozy. Are you ready? The first thing I need you to understand is this. Far away is not always measured by distance. Far away is not always measured by distance. The rebel son went far away. But the the oldest son that was home was far away as well, just not physically. So far away is not measured by distance, but the appearance and how the heart deals with calamity and trials and tribulation. Far away is not measured by distance. The far country that this rebel son went to was a piece of the puzzle. This, this faraway country represents the world that he stepped up and he went out and said, you know what, I want to go out to the world. And you know what the biggest struggle is for those that grew up in the church is that somehow I'm missing out. And I had a lot of people uh, that I, I knew growing up. Some of them grew up in church, some of them did not. And the ones that grew up in church, I'd often talk to them and be like, you know, sometimes I just feel like I, I, I never got a chance to try that or go do that. And, and those that like tried all that stuff and came to Jesus afterwards, they're like, trust me, it's not all that great. 
They think, man, how cool would it be to go to a club? How cool would it be to, to do this? And, and you hear these testimonies. And I know when I was a kid, we would have Teen Challenge. How many ever heard of Teen Challenge? Anybody heard of Teen Challenge? A few of you have. So Teen Challenge, uh, Teen Challenge is an organization that brings people in, and then they, they, they're dealing with drug and alcohol abuse and whatnot, and, and they're dealing with that, and they, they get them clean, and they get the Word of God in them, and they, they, they kind of come to Jesus. And they're choirs that would come, and they would sing songs, and these some of these guys are rough looking. You look at them, you're like, I do not want to cross. But they are seriously some of the most amazing men. As I saw most of them were men. They were, there's a women's division. But most of them were these really tough looking men. But you talk to them, they love Jesus. And you look at their testimony. They would share their testimony. I was strung out for 12 years. And, and I did this. I was arrested this many times. And, and this many things happened. And then all of a sudden, I accepted Jesus. And now I'm clean for this amount of time. And everybody's like, yeah. And rightfully so. They came to Christ. But then the person that sits there that has been in church their whole lives, they're sitting there going, I don't have a cool testimony like that. Can I tell you something? They don't think that's a cool testimony. They know it's powerful and it's their testimony. But trust me, if they didn't have to go through the pain that they went through, they wouldn't. They would all tell you that. I should have learned earlier. But we look at it like, I don't have a powerful testimony. Can I tell you that God's keeping power is just as powerful as God's saving power? My wife and I have two different testimonies. She grew up in the church, going to church, got filled with the Holy Spirit at six years old. She's like, you know, she's like Captain America of holiness. No? It's a little exaggerated, I know, but for the sake of this moment. Me, I was like the red skull of holiness. I was like the, you know, I experienced some things in my past and some things that I went through and some things that I'd seen growing up in New York City that, man, I'm lucky to be here in a lot of ways. I'm, I'm blessed to be here in a lot of ways, but two different paths, two different testimonies. Is one any less powerful? There's times that we go through far country. We are far away from God, even when we're standing in his house. This young man was far from his father, even though he lived in the same house with him. So you could be one of those two individuals. You could be the one that ran away, came back and said, all right, all right, all right, you win. I'll, I'll serve you, Jesus, the rest of my life. Or you could be one that served him all of your life. Can I tell you something? God, bless, God is blessed by both of those testimonies. Don't ever, ever apologize for your testimony. Because God has everything lined up for a reason. First John tells us, do not love the world or anything in the world. Listen, the world is out there and it's going to do what it wants to do for everything in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All those things well up within our flesh. Can I tell you something? Far away is not measured by distance. Because there are people in the church right now across America that say they love Jesus, but their lives are very different. And then there are others that are far from God, but they truly, truly just need their one prayer away from coming right back to them. Both are far away. Both need the Father. So let me share with you this, this thought really quickly. Whenever you're not in fellowship with God, you are far away. 
Whenever you're not communicating with the Father, you are far away. I'm not divorced with the Father, but I'm separated. We're, on, we're just kind of figuring some things out. I'm deconstructing my faith. That's a real popular phrase nowadays. We got very popular musicians and popular you know, people who are once upon a time, hello, are in the faith. Now they're deconstructing their faith. They're basically taking it apart and trying to start all over again and trying to figure out what has been faked. And I get it. You want to kind of come back to the basics. But don't, don't, don't deconstruct everything. God did some good things in your life. You got to be very careful to fall in line with the things of this world. So let me share the second thought. The far country has many roads. The far country has many roads. There was one that was a worker and one that was a waster. I'm talking about the sons. One that was a lifting up and doing the things that the father asked him to do. The other one was dragging down and taking away the things that the father owned with him, with the pigs, wasting away. One was creating and doing things at the house. The other one was destroying his life. But both of them were far away because both of them had saw things within their own eyes instead of through the eyes of the Father. Friends, this is the problem. The problem is we often see through our own eyes instead of through the eyes of the Father. When you come back to the table, you can then begin to understand. And, and so I talked a little bit the last couple of weeks, and, and we've been talking about around the table. And there's a lot of things that happen around the table, isn't it? it? A lot of things happen around the table. One of the things that happen around the table is you start to know more about the people at the table. Can I invite you to come back to the table and listen to the heart of the Father? Maybe it means looking at your faith a little differently and starting to kind of set yourself to a place where you could hear. Instead of being a waster, being someone that works. Instead of being someone that drags people down, you're someone that lifts them up. Instead of being a destroyer, be a creator of blessing and, and uh, promises to others. Because self-pleasing is the very essence of sin, and it is very, very expensive. And we look at the rebel son, right? It cost him everything. And when everything was wasted, he realized, man, that was an expensive trip. The whole attitude is one of utter lack of sympathy that the, that the older son had. If you had someone that came home that was lost, would you say, about time, can I tell you something? That's not the heart of God. It's just not. If you see someone that hasn't been to church, can you not point out the obvious Man, I haven't seen you in so long. Hello, nothing would make them so excited than to notice that they were the ones that were the rebels. They know they haven't been around. How about you just hug their neck and say, I'm really glad to see you. Don't point out the obvious. They're hurting. They're trying to find a place. They're trying to find their way back. And you, Captain Obvious, decide to point out, man, it's been so long. How long has it been? Break out the calendar. 
Yep, 2.6 months, two years, 46 days, and 24 hours. How about, I'm really glad to see you here. How about, how you doing? How about, let's go to lunch. Let's kill the fatted calf. Just make sure it's your calf. Seriously, don't kill somebody else's calf. That happened one time. I don't want to talk about it. I read the scriptures wrong. <laughs> Some of y'all just getting it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our. The disease that the older son had was less detectable because it was within the covering of his father's house. Same thing happens in the house of God. The covering of the body, because you're here. There are some that go away and come back. They came back, that's great. But there are some that have remained here still. And you're no, you're just as lost. You're just here more often. And it's less detectable because you're under the covering of the Father's house. Doesn't mean there's not sin there. Doesn't mean there's not issues. Hello? You with me? I'm talking about the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father tells us that he's not at this distant land with the pigs. He's right here in our pews. He's right here in our chairs. He's struggling. And that's why we need each other. That's why we come back to the table. Because we need each other. Amen? Maybe you're not a waster. You are a worker. But you struggled. You're struggling here. You're struggling here. Because you're trying to do it within your own self. I think Pastor Corey said it beautifully earlier. When he's like, you just need to take your hands. Maybe that, wait, no, maybe that was Jay. Jay, you got to take your hands off. Right? Take your hands off. Clear. Clear. So that. That God can do what he needs to do. And sometimes he has to shock us into place. And that's okay. Because I'd rather be shocked and alive than not shocked and dead. Some of y'all need a shocking. So after service, form a line. <laughs> right over here. We have plenty of equipment. Some of y'all are like, I'm never going back to that church. They shock people in a whole different level there. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> Third thing is this. For those visiting, that is a joke, by the way. Those of you online, I could see Christian Post tomorrow morning. <laughs> Pastor threatens to shock people if not, let's see, come to church. Third thing is simply this. The far country has a steep price. Listen, God won't judge you but your consequences always do. Now listen, let me make this real clear. God will judge all of us. I'm not saying God won't judge you. Believers, he'll judge you by your works. Those who came to Christ, he will, he will judge you by your works. Those who come to him and never accepted Jesus, they will judge it by, by, the, by the fact whether you accepted his son or not. Those are the two judgments that will happen. Are you hearing me? That will happen. God will judge. But 
at this moment, consequences are the judge. That's the one that we have to be very careful with because while God will forgive us, you still may have to do five to ten in the world. Are you hearing me? Because we live in a world that has consequences. I won't go into whether that's happening as much now, but we'll leave that alone. Both brothers wasted an opportunity. One brother could have said, no, I'm not going to go and squander my father's possessions and my inheritance. The other one could have said, man, you know, I feel a certain kind of way, but I'm really glad my brother's home. Both of them had heart issues. Both of them needed to be addressed. And look at me, the father addressed them both. He didn't look at the older son and go, oh, you're just overreacting. Can I tell you something? Writing somebody off like that won't win them either. Are you hearing me? Is this mic on? Writing somebody off won't win them. Loving them and going just like the father did, went to them and said, you don't realize he was dead and now he's alive. What a beautiful, beautiful thing to kind of point out. We look at the cost of both was fellowship with the father. They both dis dismissed their father at one point in their lives. Both of them lost freedoms that they should have access to at all times. And both of them, it cost them something. So Jeremiah 5.25 says, your sins have withheld my bounty from you. And Proverbs tells us the only, uh, the one who sows injustice will reap disaster. Sow iniquity, reap vanity. Can I tell you something? You can have pride in your life, and I need, you to, I need you to hear this. You could have pride, or you could have faith. You could have reputation, or you could have faith, but you cannot carry them simultaneously. Your reputation has to be surrendered when you want to live by faith. How, how will people see me? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? If you worry so much about your reputation, you won't step out in faith. Your reputation, is that more important than your faith? And you know what? The older said, I have been doing this. I haven't carried the right reputation. Instead of seeing the lost son for what he was, lost. His brother. Did you notice that in the text, if you read the text, when he, when he had the conversation with the father, did he say, your son came back and look what he did? He didn't say, my brother. He said, your son. That's bitterness. That's, that's sinking deep within him. And so you can't just rise up and reform. That means I'll just go to church and, and, and then, listen, friends, going to church is not enough. You will rise up and join the church. No, joining the church is great, altogether right. But can I tell you something? Joining the church is not enough. You can say, I'll arise and I'll work for my father. That's great. But listen, that's not enough. Even the father said it. He says, listen, he goes to his father, he says, I'll work, I'll come out, I don't have to be his son anymore, I can just come and work. He's like, no, 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 give him a ring, let him know he's still my son. Why? Because being a worker was not enough. He's still my son. Did you know that God sees you as a son or a daughter still? No matter where you are. Whether you're the oldest son or the younger son, whether you have tendencies of either one of those, he loves you. So let me share this thought with you for a moment. As long as man is away from God... He is never truly himself. Only 
Only when he comes to the Father and he comes to the table will he realize. When you come back to the table, and I'll go to that last slide, guys. That last slide is real simple. When you come back to the table, you come to the heart of the Father. Now watch this. This is the kicker right here. It is then that your life is turned from deception to reception. So God says, come back to the table. I'll give you a place of honor. Come to the head. I'm waiting. I got the food. I got the robe. I got the ring. Come to the table. Hear my heart. Hear what I have for you. Hear my, the plans that I have for you. And I don't know if you know this, but God has great plans for your life. But it's only when you sit at the table. What does that mean? When you sit with the Father and you hear him. Not just hear people that talk to him. Because if the only way you hear from God is just from me or people that speak into your life, you're getting secondhand. Now, I know God speaks to you through me. I don't doubt that at all. And other people. I don't doubt that at all. But it's when you come to the table and you spend time with him that he reveals deeper and more powerful things than I could share here this morning because it's directed directly to you. So I invite you to come to the Father and come to his heart. That's where we find joy, amen? That's where we find purpose. Did you know, and I said it earlier, that the people that can't find purpose, they feel like they're dying. So if you feel like you're dying today, you feel like, man, nothing is satisfying. Do you know what that means? That you might have a purpose problem. You don't know exactly where you fit. And that's why we had the ministry fair last week. I was so blessed to see so many people sign up for stuff and get involved. Maybe you're not involved yet. I invite you first to come to the Father. Sit at the table. And what does that mean? Spend time with him and let him speak to you. That's why I love to see people come to the altar during worship times. and Just spend some time with him. You could do it at your seat. But there's something about coming to him and saying, I love this altar. You know, we've been here now nine years. We've been at this building. And it never gets old every time we have times around the altar. Come to the table and be a part of what God is doing. Let him speak to you in powerful ways. Amen. Can you bow your head to me for a moment? Father, I thank you for your table. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful. No matter how far we run or even how close we are, that Lord, all we have to do is surrender to you we're back in your graces Lord we want to give we want to give you a hundred percent but our flesh really fights us on it so I'm asking you God if there's anyone at the sound of my voice right now that wants to give their heart to you but they've been fighting in the flesh I ask you to speak to their heart that they too may raise their voices and say, God, I receive you as my Savior. I accept that you died for me. I believe it and I confess it with my mouth. Lord, I pray that they would do that here today. 
they would come to you, come to the table and hear from the Father's heart. Lord, I pray for those that have ran away from God. They're far, they're in their own far country. And now they're trying to work their way back. They think they somehow have to earn their way back. They just have to speak their way back. Father, forgive me. And you'll receive them. Father, I pray for the son and daughter that has been in your house but still feeling empty. Lord, they've done all the work. They've served. They've loved. They've given. But they still feel like they're defeated. Can I ask you, God, that you would not allow them to go callous in their hearts like this older son did, but instead to look to the heart of the Father, that you are always there, even when we feel like we've been shortchanged like this older son did. God, I ask you today, bless everyone at the sound of my voice, that they may know who you are, and that they may know the heart of the Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Stand with me for a moment, would you? This series, I hope it's spoken to you as much as it's spoken to me. As I sit in my office or on my couch or wherever it is that I study for this series, every single time I was typing or writing or whatever, doing research, I realized that I am am in every story. You ever read a story in the scripture and you're like, yeah, that's me. Then you read other ones like, no, that was never me. But we look at scripture and we realize that we're in there. It doesn't change how God thinks of you. So I invite you to be part of his heart today. Be part of what God is doing. And just embrace the fact that he loves you with an everlasting love today. And from this church, from our heart to yours, Pray that you would receive that, that you would come back to the table and say, God, how could I be a part of what you're doing? How could I join your heart, your heart, not just my church, but your heart? How could I be a part of something you're doing? We're really, really grateful for you and the, the body of Christ today. Let me pray for you to be dismissed today and uh, that you too would carry that heart. So here's what I ask you to do. In any way you feel uh, you want to, just lift your hands in any way, whether it's real real high or low, it doesn't matter. Just lift your hands with me as I pray. Father, I pray for every person at the sound of my voice right now to allow them to receive your heart, to see how you see. That's what that means, to see how you see things and people and circumstances. That we would not look at them as, oh, man, it's just another thing facing me. I'm doomed. But instead say, God, how can I learn from this? And how could you grow me? If I'm going to go through it, I might as well grow through it. So I ask you today, bless and strengthen those that have rebelled and ran and now they're trying to come back home. And those that have been in your house but still struggling with internal issues that nobody sees because we're under this covering. God, I pray for both hearts to be surrendered to you. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Go about your week. Love God. Love people. Change the world.